This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Do me a favor. Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There are so many good things that are a part of this program today that I want to get you excited about. We have our resource of the month that we are really wanting to get into your hands. It's by Sam Alberry. It's entitled, Is God Anti-Gay? It is uh, a book that really deals with questions about Jesus, the Bible, and our sexuality. If you have a young adult in your home right now, off to college, that you are helping to process through this. If you're a person processing through this yourself, if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler that's asking big questions or being confronted with big questions by their friends and peers, this book is uh, one you, you really do need. We're making it available for a gift of any amount to the program and I would encourage you be as generous as possible, but dial the number now, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. So that's a good thing that we're offering you uh, throughout the month. Today, I could not be more excited about our topic and our guests. You know, so often when you listen to Christian radio, I'm sure for the person who's a critic or a skeptic or a person who's sincerely going through the journey of Christianity but encountering some of the rough parts, it might even sound like this is nothing more than an infomercial. You know how those infomercials work, don't you? Only highlighting the benefits. Everything seems to be packaged real well. But in uh, the reality of life, things are not that neat. And maybe this is how you're encountering your faith right now. You're in a moment where you're struggling to trust God lacking a sense of purpose or direction, feeling trapped or maybe even afraid on this cycle of feeling defeated because of your own failure and sin, longing for freedom and and deliverance from temptation. Well, if you find yourself there, you are in what Lena Abu-Jamra, my guest today, would call a desert place. But I want to today remind you that though desert places and moments and seasons are real, God's faithfulness is real also. Lena has written a new book. It's a study uh, of, of Scripture, but so much more than that. It's called Through the Desert, a study on God's faithfulness. Lena is joining me today. For those of you who don't know, Lena is an author. She is a speaker. She is a doctor as well founder of Living with Power Ministries, and I'm so grateful for her ministry and her being with us today. Hey, Lena, how are you? So good, Chris. So good to be with you, too. I miss you when I'm not on. (laughs) Well, I'm grateful that you make time for us, and what a week 
to make time for us. The newest baby has been born. The, right, uh, right. the newest study and, and, and book release. Thanks for giving us time to talk about it. Talk about the origin story of Through the Desert and how this came to be. Well, it's actually exciting. It's the first in a series, and two are written, and the second one will be out in a year. But David C. Cook has a new imprint called Esther Press, which is amazing because it's based on, of course, Esther 414 and Esther, and they're getting women who are writing writers of Bible studies and, and authors uh, together to kind of put materials out that really focuses on helping women get courageous in the faith and stay courageous in the faith and stand strong in this culture. And so they uh, heard about me and my, you know, through uh, my agent and common, you know, friends, we had a conversation a couple of years ago and they said, look, if you could teach a Bible study, you know, with multiple series, as an example, what would you do? And the Lord is so good. You know, when opportunities like that happen, I mean, the first thought is, I have no idea. Like you freak out and think it's going to take you a year to come up with an idea. But then, you know, I went on a walk. I remember leaving my house and, you know, my, my heart in all this stuff I do, the global work, the the medical work, you know, I've been on the yes. show and I've talked about my, you know, the medical practice that I, I still yes. am in and, and, and whatnot for people who don't know me. We, I do a lot of different things, but my original calling to ministry has been and was to Bible study. That's the context Absolutely. of when I felt God's vocational call. And so my heart always is that, like everything else is sort of secondary. And so to have an opportunity to come up with something, and we've done a lot of different Bible studies in the ministry that we've put on right now, media and, you know, uh, you know adjuncts to the books I've written. And, and on our website and in the churches I've been all in all, but this is the first like truly, you know, formal Bible study with a publisher. And so I wanted to do something, A, that could carry over several, you know, series, several books, and I wanted something that focused on God. And so I had this idea going on a walk, and would you know, Chris, how God does these things? Really, within a two-week period, I had the sketch of wh where I would go with it. Of course, then you sit down and write each one, and it takes a lot more than that, but but the big sketch was to map the footsteps of God series. It's called Mapping the Footsteps of God. Mm -hmm. And in every series, each one, they're shorter series, they're six-week series, and basically uh, the each one will explore a location in Scripture and follow sort of this arc of God's steps through these places, because I think place is really important. I do, I live in Chicago. I'm from Lebanon. Every place I've been shapes me. Now we do ministry, of course, in the U.S., but also a lot in the Middle East. And you go and work with people there. You notice, even with working with Syrian refugees and the Lebanese, how important land and place is. And I don't think it's accidental. I think God has wired us certain, a certain way in that regard. And, and so I want to explore different settings in Scripture and how God and what characteristic shows up in these settings. So this first study is called Through the Desert. And that yes. was the most obvious. There are a lot of obvious places, but this is the most obvious because so much of Scripture is spent in the desert, symbolically yeah. and literally. And uh, and so I look at six uh, spots. It's actually five. The first is an intro. It kind of sets the tone to where we're going and talk a little bit about the original place of Eden. But then I sit, set up the stage for five locations in Scripture where the desert was the focus and why that was there and how God used it. And in it, I think uh, the person who does the study will be encouraged and educated, but mostly experiencing the, the faithfulness of God in those desert places. And I think it will really help in this yes. time where people are in all, all sorts of deserts. And I should know because I'm one to spend a whole lot of time in desert places myself. So this was a fun study to put together, and I'm excited to see what God will do with it. Well, I appreciate that you bring your whole self to every project you do, including 
this one. I love what Lisa Harper said about you. She said these kind words. Lena is one of the clearest communicators I know when it comes to the tangible hope and steadfast peace rather available to Christ followers because of God's faithfulness, regardless of what's going on within us or around us. And I would I would agree with that, but I got to make sure I clear things up that this is more than just, at least by intent, than, than a Bible study. You say very clearly that the last thing people need is just another Bible study. They need a fresh encounter with the living God. Talk a little bit about how you hope this one is different than just another Bible study. Well, I would hope every person who you know, starts the process of writing a Bible study and praying through it has that desire. So I do, certainly don't think I'm unique in that. However, with, and I believe every pastor has that heart too, but it can be so easy to get so caught up in the motion, and particularly for Christians who have done studies before, to just look for the next study. You know, new author, somebody you've never done before, or same author that you love, you can't wait for the new study. And, and I think it can become so sort of routine that we miss what's happening in it. You know, church, like when you think about going to church, when you think about small groups, when you think about all of the church experience that we, we have, all that entails that, even our own devotional life, reading your Bible, journaling, praying, it can become something that we do when I think it misses the essence of what it is, which is our means to be with the Lord, being in Scripture, praying. It's, it's the way that we communicate with God. Obviously, we can communicate with God all day long. You know, you don't you can be in your car at work and do that. But something happens when you open the divinely breathed Word of God and dig in and meditate on it and let it sink into your soul. And I think... Well, I know from my own life that I can get in a rut of just saying, yep, read another book of the Bible, went through the Bible another year. And at the end of the day, did I really interact with the living God? That's what I want to happen. So even though it's not a long study, the teachings are 20 minutes long, the homework, you know, has sort of the framework that people are familiar with. You know, it's a it's more of an interactive study. I tell little stories in it. But but really, at the end of the day. And I remind people, even in each session, look, it's great if you're doing the book, but my focus, my intent as we get into this time with the Lord is to really honor it as a time where we can connect with God Almighty. That's what I want, whether I read a verse a day or a chapter a day or a book of the Bible a day. Some books you can read in a day, yeah. <laughs> like Jude. But I want the Spirit of God to move in me, to change me, and to bring me closer to Him. But here's even the more exciting thing. It's not that I want it. It's that God wants that for me. And he set up things in our lives to, in fact, I think the desert is his invitation to lean into him <laughs> and to draw closer to him in that regard. There's a lot that's within me that says, no, 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 I don't want the gift of the desert, Lena. I want yeah. other gifts, but you do, you do paint it that way. It seems to me that if I were to describe who this study is for, I would frame it this way from what I've read in, in your study. It seems, Lena, that this study is for those who are in a season where they're struggling to either trust God or to trust others, that they're in this hard place in this moment where they're, they're really wrestling with trusting God and trusting others. Would you agree with that, or who would you describe as the, the intended audience for this? Yeah, I definitely think that group of people, I mean, I, I'd say anyone who's in a desert, you know, it's funny because in lot. I mean, I, I honestly, the longer I've lived in the Christian life, the more I used to think there's three kinds of people, right? I used to think there's a person who's in the desert, there's a person who just got out of the desert, 
and there's a person who's about to enter the desert. Honestly, the longer I live, the more I think most of us spend 90% of our lives in the desert. Honestly, the other 10% are sprinkled around. Wow. And wow. I, 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 I really believe that. And I, I don't say this to be negative. On the contrary, I think the mistake in the Christian life is that we keep thinking that when I just get through the desert, everything will be just fine. And we miss that the Christian life is not a means to escape the desert. It is a means to flourish in the desert spaces of our life. So it is for every Christian who's asking questions like, God, when? When? How long, O oh Lord? When will this end? And so certainly the person who's struggling to trust God and trust others, but more than that, a person who in the place they're in right now, you know, want to, when I say experience God, I mean, you know, I watch, I've seen myself when I've gone, and even now, the struggle in the desert is you say a lot of things about God. We believe them even. I don't even think we don't believe them. We believe them but they don't go from our head to our heart. So, so that I want to see myself living in desert spaces as that person who's actually rejoicing and victorious, not constantly defeated. Because the desert might not end the side of, of the, our life. It, that's not the worst news in the world. We've got the Lord with us. So it doesn't matter whether the desert is a year or 40 years. Ultimately, the promised place for us is the very presence of Christ who is in us. That's the secret of the Christian. So if you're hungry to unleash that again in your life, to see that again, to live in that space again, or maybe you've never experienced that before, then that studies for you. Friends, today we're going to dive deep into a place where maybe you never intended to find yourself, but yet here is where you are. We want to hear from you as well, invite you to interact with this discussion between myself and uh, author, doctor, missionary, uh, and, uh, and and speaker, Bible teacher, Lena Abu Jamra, as we delve deep into the newest resource, this exciting journey and study that she's inviting us on. It's entitled Through the Desert, A Study of God's Faithfulness. And I want you to get your hands on it. As a matter of fact, I'm inviting you right now to use this mini break that we have to go to our website, equipradio.org, Order your copy today through the desert, freshly released, specifically with you on her mind to remind you of God's faithfulness. Equipradio.org will be right back. Are you struggling with questions about your sexuality? Do you have answers for those who ask you questions on this issue? In his book, Is God Anti-Gay? And other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality, author Sam Alberry compassionately explains the biblical view. Then he presents a more wonderful view of sexuality than you may have ever considered. Request your copy when you support Equip with a gift of any amount this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Ruggs, Lena Abujamra is with me today. Her newest release, Through the Desert, A Study of God's Faithfulness, is available to you now. Lena, you really do want us to go through this study with others, don't you? Look, I got to comment. I feel like I need to qualify that, first of all. I am an introvert, and I am single, and I'm a loner, and and I like being alone, you know? So I think, you know, the tendency, 
in our culture, 2023, is to do things alone. This is how we are now wired. Yeah, Church sure, attendance sure. is still low, you know. People are like, we've got other ways to do this. But yes, I think the entire premise of commu- church, community, you know, the body of Christ really Spiritual is that family. we be together. Correct. And so yes. is that more challenging? Of course it is. Is that... Does that demand an accountability to showing up if you're, you have to get in the car in the middle of winter and drive to somebody's house? Of course it is. But I think that we are missing a lot right now in our American culture in particular by skipping that. So is it possible to do this book alone? Of course. Now, we, we at Living With Power, my ministry, we have a Facebook community that is where we go live on Thursdays. And so we create for people who obviously can't be in a Bible study with others, or maybe you just moved, you don't have any friends in your area. Like there's all sorts of circumstances. Maybe you are immune compromised. They're still nervous about all the things that go along with our heightened awareness sure. of infections. So I think there are ways to connect as a community, even if you're technically you know, doing it alone. That's, by the way, the reason we created the online community is because, you know, people need one another. And it's so interesting because, you know, we, we had the plan to do this online community January before COVID hit. Like we were launching it, I think, around the end of January. And literally we had it set up, like we talked about it in our, in our, in our, in our you know, little meetings, whatever we do for our organization. And then, and then um, COVID hit and we were like, oh my goodness, we're set up for this. And, and since then, it's been so fascinating because yeah. even though it's online, we I recognize people every third. I log on and I see names pop up who have been faithfully attending for over a year now, two years since we started this. And so I invite anyone who's in that space who doesn't have someone to do the study with to log on. In fact, this show is airing this week and our first session, our intro will be Thursday. Uh, by the way, a little tidbit, you actually get access to the six DVDs uh, with the purchase price of the book, which is amazing, right? I mean, if you've ever yes. done... Bible yes. studies, usually it's a separate price to get the videos. This is all together. You get it all. And I think you'll enjoy doing it that way. But but we're going to run the videos in that Thursday night. So if you want a community, join us. But but ideally, yeah, you find a community in your neighborhood. You gather a group of friends. Who's not going through a difficult season right now? I don't know anyone. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and Chris, I think people sometimes are timid about asking people to do Bible study with them. But that's how people come to Jesus. So yeah, one hundred percent. To be bold, and let me and, and let me just say this: one of the benefits of this study that you just alluded to is that Lena's taking it with you through the videos that are a part of study. It's more than just you're getting a book, and I'm glad you brought that up, Lena. It's more than just you're getting a book to read along with your Bible, and and that's great in and of itself. But you're getting Lena as well as a friend, a guide on the side. A, a, a sage from the stage, if you will, to say, let's walk this journey together. And as I've always said about you, Lena, you're going to bring your whole self, your vulnerabilities, the ups and downs, the challenges of your life, your desert moments to talk through mm. what it's like to be in those moments and helping others to open up safe space for that discussion. There's so many questions I want to I, I want to ask, but I just want to define the desert, as you do in your book, you say the desert is a place where I must rely on God's promises and trust his faithfulness, a place of dependence. It's a place I never intended to be in and that I long to get out of. Here's my question for you as you think about Abraham and others who have had to walk through the desert. God gives Abraham this covenant promise of a promised land. Uh, is it possible to experience our promised land without going through the desert? 
<laughs> I, I really de- genuinely don't believe so. I, it's idealistic to think it in a sense. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure somewhere in the U.S. or in the world you're going to find a Christian who's like, yeah, it's been, you know, roses and prairies since I came to Jesus. That's, you know, I think life is trouble. And Jesus said it. Like, I didn't make that up. You know, in this world, you will have tribulation. All of it. Every part of it. Like, I don't think it's surprising about the political climate we're in. And you know, the social decisions that are happening, uh, you know, that are impacting the morality of our country, or, you know, you go through all the layers of how Satan is wrestling hard to, you know, the unseen, the principalities, the powers, the things we don't see in our life that scripture references, you know, you can like this week, I mean, just in case in point, I mean, the Grammys just happened, right? And, you know, you kind of watch that show, which is like, the epitome of worldliness in a sense, like the acme of worldliness. You've got the Super Bowl on one side of the week and you've got the Grammys on the other. And and you see the debate after, you know, people, Christians going, oh my goodness, I can't believe this singer did that. It's not surprising. We're living in the desert. I mean, we're going, you know, Jesus is our promised place in a sense. I mean, we have him. We are. It's, It's both now and later. That's the tension of the Christian life. In the now, yes, deserts. But do we have Jesus with us? Is he our water in the desert? You better believe it. And we're getting to a day where there's no more of of this now. But it's both now and later. So no, I don't think it's possible. Honestly, the one thing that has intrigued me about Abraham, by the way, which is the first pit stop, so to speak, in the desert. And I don't think I ever necessarily thought about that before. I think we all think of the people of Israel, who, of course, I'm referencing to in the study. So that's obvious desert. But I don't think I ever saw how God invited Abraham to the desert. If you're like, how? Well, get the book, do the study. But he actually, (laughs) that's the entire invitation. God literally shows up in Haran and says, hey, Abraham, we're going on a journey. And by the way, here's the map and you're going to the desert. That's the premise. I think so, it's the same for us. So what does that mean for us personally? And I want to I want to also have you share a little bit about what you learned in this study personally about the God of covenant. But what does that yeah. mean for us when we see God inviting Abraham into a desert? What does that mean for us? Well, everything I've done, every project, every book I've written, when you talk about bringing myself, I mean, I think, Chris, you're alluding to, I've often, this has been, I'm very autobiographical in some ways in my writings. And and I, I think there's a tendency in the Christian mind to think, if I trust the Lord, he'll get me through it. If I do my part, God will do his. When it doesn't happen, we land in a space, in a, what I would call a yes. desert of disappointment. Yes. Really, it's a desert because that's when we doubt God. And the minute you doubt God, that Satan's got a foothold. And I, I'm, I'm sad to say I've spent a lot of time wrestling with God over obvious things now that I look back and think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> right? But you don't yes. see him in it. And so I think, you know, so to me, like, like the whole premise of understanding sort of that the desert is meant to help us depend on him. And by the way, not a wasted moment in my life in those deserts. It's not like you can look back and go, oh, Alina, you blew it. No, God uses those experiences to now help others who might be wired like I am, which is the majority of human nature. But so this concept of disappointment, I think we need to get rid of that in the Christian life. And I, I think we do it as we understand that the promise of God, the covenant of God is the thing that we must hang on to in the desert. That's the point, is that God has given us his word. We are looking to circumstances, whereas God says, look at my word, because his word is the essence of who he is. And I think we just need to become habituated to do that. In our flesh, humanly, our habit is to go back to patterns of disbelief and defeat and complaining and wandering, 
you know, you'll see like the, the, like, like the disciples, the feeding of the 5,000, and then you flip the page to Matthew, the next chapter, and there's the feeding of the 4,000, and they're stumped, scratching their heads going, are we ever going to eat again? <laughs> and you're like, you just fed him, you know, but I do the same exact thing, right? I mean, God just pours a miracle in my life. And the next day I'm going, oh, woe is me. This is so bad. I hate my life. Oh, Lord, isn't it time that's you right. take me to heaven? Like, right. What right. is wrong with us? And yeah. so I think I want myself first, but others to tap into the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Now, one of the things that I just did, and, and, and this happens throughout the study, I'd love for you to talk about this section of let's make it personal. Um, yeah. th- there's a, there's a, a, a huge part of, yeah, I'm studying, for example, Abraham's story, but there's something about his story and discovering God's yeah. faithfulness that I find my story in. So talk about the let's make it per- this personal section of the study. Yeah. Look, I think um, there's kind of two sides. You can err on two sides when you study scripture. There's this, and I don't know if it's an error, but there's a bend. Like one bend is like all theology. Like you're just like, get it in your head. You're all, if your Bible study has any practical application, you just don't want to do it. You don't want to look at it. Well, I think that's limiting in a certain degree because it can feel like you have like, okay, then I'm, 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 I'm aside, you know, like sort of you're outside of this thing, but then there's the other side that over applies everything. So they don't look at any theology. And I think about my practice in medicine. And when I see patients, I have to do both, right? I got to tell them about the disease and I've got to help them apply the treatment to their lives. If they don't understand the severity of the disease or, or why the medicine would work, they might not listen to what I have to offer. I think it's the same in scripture. You look at who God is, you understand the theology part of it, you understand sort of that doctrinal aspect. It's what the Apostle Paul did all the time. Romans is a prime example of it. He gives the theology, and then he moves the last few chapters to the application. And so those make it personal are really a reminder to us, because at the beginning of the study, I remind people, this: the Bible is not about me. The world is not about me. It's about God. Well, our knee-jerk response shouldn't be, oh, well, then why do I care about anything? I'm sort of this little peon down there. God doesn't care about me. No, you're missing it. We are part of his story. That's the gift of God in our life. He he doesn't just, it's not just about him. He wants us to be part of the story. And so where do we fit into that? The more we can see that, the more we're in love with this God who loves us so deeply that he would write this book for us. Friends, I want you to find out more at equipradio.org. We'll be right back. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, having a very awesome and important and honest conversation with Dr. Lena Abujamara about her newest book release. It's called Through the Desert. It really is a study of God's faithfulness, but even more, it's encountering the God who is with us even in the desert. All of us know what it's like to go through hard places, hard seasons in our life, to even ask God, where are you and how does this fit with the promises that I believe you have shared for me, for uh, for my future? Well, Dr. Lena takes those questions, those hard and tough questions head on and reminds us that God is faithful, he can be trusted, and he is with us even in our most difficult moments. Lena, as I think about the... Uh, the text of scripture that seems to shape this, uh, this, this whole study, I'm reminded of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, mm-hmm. uh, that, that the Lord is the God who keeps his covenant with his people, that he loves 
to a thousand generations those who love him. What a great reminder of his faithfulness. And I really want to invite folks to discover that faithfulness. This is more than just a study. This is a, a, a really a fresh encounter. At least that's the intent, is that it would be a fresh encounter with the Lord. You get videos that come with it, as well as the study, and an invitation to do it together with others. Now, those could be others within your family, your social network, friends, coworkers, believers, and unbelievers alike. Or you can join Lena's online community as they walk through and study this as well. Lena, I got to ask a personal question. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a personal question. I want to know how your sweet mama modeled Mm -hmm. Jesus for you and how her life has really impacted the way even now you think through a study like this. Yeah, I dedicated the book to my mom. In fact, I've dedicated my first drive was to my parents. And then this book is this first Bible study, you know, with a publisher to my mom. Uh, You know, my mom is the reason I'm a Christian outside of the Lord, right? I mean, she came to Christ uh, as a college student uh, out of a Greek Orthodox background that was religious, but not, you know, knowing of Jesus in a personal way. And she herself had a crazy story. I mean, they were Palestinian refugees. Uh, Her dad was a pharmacist, so they were able to come to Lebanon back in the late 1940s. And so it was, uh, it was it was a big thing for her from her background being kicked out of Israel. You know, she was born in Haifa, grew up in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem to sort of her parents did not respond well to her embracing what they saw as the American, you know, Judeo-Christian friendly God. Yes, and, yes. and all this to say she from that from her early years has been a student of scripture. And I don't remember a picture of my mother uh, from the day I have any memories to this day. I cannot see her not sitting with an open Bible at some point of her day, pouring mm. over scripture in some form or fashion, eventually, you know, brought us to church, all of the kids, you know, she wasn't married when she got saved, got married. We grew up in the church. My dad eventually gave his life to Christ about 10 or 15 years into the marriage. And just our entire family uh, changed because of her decision to follow Jesus. She's now 82. She'll be, well, 81. She'll hit me for that. No, she won't. But she's, uh, she's, she, I still, I spend a lot of time with her still. She's, um, now my a widow, my, my, my dad died about six years ago, and my mom um, is, spends the winters in Florida. That's where I am right now, being trying to be closer to her in those times. And she um, still, to this day, has a now big letter Bible, and she is at the table reading and studying yes. and pouring over, listening to sermons. So if there's a model of Scripture, and so though she's not perfect, if there's a model not just of a person studying it but living it, it has been my mom, and I'm so grateful for her. Well, a big shout-out to Mom. Clearly her influence is seen through the writings, uh, your writings throughout the book. And I also want to say that your mom isn't the only one with a large print Bible. Lena, I have officially <laughs> graduated to the place where I, I let me, appreciate the large print I want to say this about my mom. You know, I will say this about my mom, because I think this is kind of important. You know, she's the voice in my head. I mean, I, and I know, like, the yes. Spirit of God's our voice. Like, I get that. But she's the voice in my head. You know, people always, you know, sometimes as a person who writes in public and speaks in public, it's always easy for, like, I found over the years, like, I know at one point, I, I don't know what I did podcast on someone thought I was a progressive as an example or which you know I'm not here to talk <laughs> politics but the point is I think sometimes people can see things through the lens of social media and wonder like yes. oh, where does she fall on that point because you can't address everything all the time and I always chuckle because I think if you had my mom in your brain 
You're not going to deviate too far, at least not in this generation, from what the Bible has said. That's so, so good. If you you're not, wonder about my theology, just think about there my mom. You go. Well, you know, it's so funny. I, I remember interviewing Kevin Lehman uh, years ago, and he says, hey, I'm old enough to, to remember when children used to obey their parents, you know? And it's <laughs> like, that still is so awesome to hear. And hopefully my children will grow up hearing my voice in their head as well and the teachings that they receive. But I love how you honor your mom. As we go back to the book, though, one of the weeks that you give is on finding purpose in a desert. And you make this bold statement. And I love for you to unpack it. You say, God gets great glory when we trust him in our deepest fears. Lena, a lot of folks have taught that faith is the absence of fear. But you say, no, faith can be present even when fears are present. Yeah, I'll tell you personally, experientially, I spent a lot of time afraid. I will not lie. And I am learning to be bold. You would never guess it, though, if you saw me. And you would think she's, you know, because I think a lot of us hide yes. fear yes. with confidence and with you know, maybe, maybe fake confidence and maybe just a way or you might, you know, however you carry yourself. Uh, I think every human is deep down afraid. I think fathers are afraid. Are we raising our sure, kids right? Sure. Mothers are afraid. Are we doing this? Right? You know, so I think fear is there. And the Lord knows that. That's why, I mean, I think one of the, I think the most common, I don't know the statistics, but probably one of the most common commands that Jesus did for his disciples was this loving, don't be afraid, fear not. You know, even in the Old Testament, you see that theme over and over again. I think the Lord has such compassion on us in our fear. Joshua, Joshua 1, I mean, so, so many people have that verse, like as their life verse, where he tells them, do not be afraid, go in and possess the land which I gave you. And here's faith. Joshua, in chapter 1, is given that word, so we know that in his heart he was afraid. And then he goes in and proceeds by faith. And I think that's the image of the Christian life. It's not that we're all of a sudden fearless. It's that God is the reason we can stand strong. And he's the one who's put our, who puts our feet in a solid place. And yeah, we might feel afraid in the flesh, but we strengthen ourselves in the hope of the Lord and the security of his promise and a reminder of his faithfulness. And so are you afraid? That's okay. Don't be ashamed of it. But know that there is a God who has given us his faithfulness for those times when we feel afraid. You know, recently, it's so it's so refreshing to hear you say that, because recently I uh, was engaging with folks around this report that trust in pastors, church leaders has dropped to a historic low. And as you talk to people about what are the things that we can do as church leaders to help to remedy that problem, to help to improve trust, one of the things you hear over and over again is people say transparency honesty about where you're at and the struggles that you have so that people can have the relatability maybe of knowing that I'm not strange if I'm struggling with fear. And so to hear a church leader like yourself share that, to hear uh, someone who everyone would, would look from the outside and say, oh, that's not something she struggles with, share that, I think helps to humanize this journey that we're all on. And so, again, as Lena said, if you're going, if you're wrestling with fear, if you find that to be pronounced in your life, if if if, if even anxiety uh, seems to mark your life, what um, we want you to know is, number one, you're not alone in that. Number two, that God sees you and that the answer that we're looking for to those moments is found in our faith and our trust in him. I, I want to just have you comment on one thing. We got about a minute before our, our, our final break. 
But you say this, the most precious gift God gives us in our darkest deserts is the gift of intimacy with him. Now, again, a lot of people would say, Lena, that the greatest gift is him giving us what we want or giving us the answer to what we're petitioning for. But sometimes he doesn't do that right then or maybe he delays. But you're saying the intimacy we get with God is even better than those things? Yeah, I mean, I think it's evident by looking at Hollywood, people who look like they have it all. They're beautiful, thin, you know, they got great jobs, they've got a lot of money, they've got everything that you could want, houses, cars, and they're miserable, right? I mean, and you say, well, not all of them are miserable. Well, enough are. You look at singles who thought, well, if I just get married, I'll be happy to get married. And then they're like, what did I just do? You see the pattern over and over again. Why are we so surprised? And so I think the point of the desert at the end of the day is that when you think about joy in the desert, when you think about, you know, being settled in the faithfulness of God, what is that? born of. It's born out of intimacy. Intimacy is this connectedness in your spirit and your soul with Almighty God, who has given everything, his life for you. I think that's why we deviate in the desert places. This is why I think we we rush to other things. You know, there's a picture I just thought of in, in the Old Testament in Exodus 32, when uh, the, the people of Israel had screwed things up. They had worshipped the golden calf. And, and then the, the story was, uh, you know, Moses goes to God on behalf of the people. And, you know, you always wonder, like, why was it when the 12 spies went to, the, to, to look at the land, 10 of them freaked out. And then Joshua and Caleb, they were not afraid. They were very solid in their faith that God could get them through. Well, there's an image where Moses is meeting with God. And then he comes out of the tent and we're told in at the end of Exodus, I think 32 or 33, that, that uh, Joshua stayed near that place where God's presence was. Yes. Joshua had learned intimacy with God. And I think that's the secret that Joshua had when he went into the enemy's land and had the boldness and the belief yeah. in the goodness of God because he had intimacy with God. That's our, what I want people to get out of this Bible study. Our faith does not relieve us or prevent us from going through deserts. And if you've been taught faith that way, please hear me apologizing to you because that's not what the picture that the Bible gives us. The picture the scripture gives us is that our faith in God and our our intimacy with him through trusting him sustains us in spite of any desert that we find ourselves going through. The pages that are written here in Lena's newest resource are life-giving, and I believe it's because she is constantly drawing us in to knowing God's Word better so that we can experience Him in a deeper way. I want you to have that experience. I want you to know an encounter, a fresh encounter with the living God, with the Savior who loves you. You can find out more at our website, equipradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. Why don't you get your copy today? of Through the Desert, a study of God's faithfulness. I want to encourage you to get your copy and maybe even bless a few people with it. It's not only true that we're going through a desert, but it's true that others that we love deeply find themselves going through the desert as well. And I know that many of you say, well, I'm still paying the credit card debt from Christmas. And I get that, but this is a great gift for you to bless someone else with. So invest in the lives of others, invest in your own life, and watch God multiply his goodness, his mercy, and the fruit of your life. 
as you trust in him. We'll be right back right after this. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back. What a great conversation with Dr. Lena Abujamra. Find out about Lena, about living with power, and about the newest study, Through the Desert, a study of God's faithfulness on our website, equipradio.org. And as always, check us out on social as well, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can submit your comments there, and I promise you we'll read them and we respond. Lena, as we kind of land this plane, two questions for you. Number one, you say this, when it's all said and done, perhaps it's the desert that awakens us to our need for God. Is this why ultimately the desert is a gift to us? No question about it. No question about it. I mean, the times in my life when I automatically revert to God is when I'm particularly overburdened with, I get an email, you know what I mean? You get that call, you, you find something out and you're like, Lord help. Like there is something so reassuring to know that there's a God who's still there waiting for us. Even if we like, I hate to say it, but even when we ignore him for days or weeks, there is something about the father's heart that still hears us when we call to him. And so if it takes a desert to awaken us to God, 144 referring to uh, it, uh, it comes from Revelation chapter 7, and uh, there, it, it's interesting, it doesn't refer to uh, just uh, f- you know, that total number of believers. Uh, they are the Jews for Jesus, we might say. You know, Jesus at his first coming had 12 apostles. Before his second coming, he's going to have 12 times 12,000 Jewish apostles, and their ministry is not just to Israel, it goes to the whole world. In fact, I love it. They're described in the first part of chapter 7 in Revelation, and then the last part describes a great multitude, it says, from uh, every nation, tribe, people, and language who come to faith who are before the throne of God. Uh, these these uh, Jews for Jesus are going to be out witnessing worldwide and bringing an untold number to faith in Christ during that period. So they're actually a wonderful witness uh, during the end time period. Charlie, another quick question. What about Armageddon? What is that referring to? <laughs> well, in Revelation 16, uh, it describes the, uh, the this gathering at Armageddon. I love it. It's it's uh, I call it a one hit wonder in the Bible. It only occurs that one time, and it's funny. It never even says it's a battle, even though most of us view it as a you know some kind of a worldwide uh, nuclear explosion or something. Uh, but what it says is that the Antichrist in his final campaign is going to gather all the armies uh, that he has remaining uh, for his final campaign of conquest. It's his the last place is holding out against him. He gathers him at this hill of Megiddo in northern Israel in the Jezreel Valley, becomes the staging area, and then from there he moves. In fact, Daniel 11 describes the uh, the outcome of the battle. They go to North Africa. They go east and north of uh, the, the Holy Land, Syria, Iraq area. And then it says they come back. He pitches his tent between the seas, the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea, at the beautiful Holy Mountain. Well, that's Jerusalem. And it says that's where he comes to his end because we know when they finally get there, getting ready to wipe out the Jewish people, that's when Jesus opens the heavens, comes back, and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, and he defeats the Antichrist. So it's the final gathering for this final campaign 
that ultimately leads to the second coming of Jesus. I want to ask a question, and it kind of plays into the last question of uh, the book and, and maybe a great place for us to land this interview. Why should I trust the Bible? Is it reliable as it pertains to Bible prophecy and as it pertains to all of life? Well, I think the great answer for that is uh, if we want to know if it's reliable or not, look at the prophecies that were related to the first coming of Jesus uh, from his birth in Bethlehem uh, to when he rode into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey, was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, was crucified uh, on on a cross with his garments divided among the soldiers who crucified him. Every one of those and and, uh, actually scores more prophecies were fulfilled, not just somewhat, they were fulfilled literally and exactly and the God who made those prophecies is the God who said, but there's more to come, and he relates it to the second coming of Jesus. So uh, I think we can trust the Bible because God has shown that he's reliable, uh, certainly as he brought Jesus the first time and as he promised to now send him again uh, for the this, this second coming. Uh, in terms of what that should do in our lives, though, that's even the most important question of all, uh, because if the Bible's true, then the ultimate question, the eternal question is, what do we do with Jesus? In fact, I love it. The book of Revelation ends with the Spirit and the Bride, that is the Holy Spirit and this new Jerusalem he's just described, which he called the Bride, saying, come, let him who hears say, come. Whoever hears, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. God says, this is all going to happen, and that means that you're going to have an eternal destiny based on the choices you make today. And right now, God says, I'd love you to come, and it's salvation, eternal life is a free gift. You just have to receive it. And that's the most important decision anyone listening can ever make. The most important question of all is, how can I become a follower of Jesus? Charlie just laid that out for you. Now the choice is yours, friends. Now the decision is up to you. The Bible says, behold, I set before you life and death. Choose life. That's the advice of Scripture. That's the advice that I give to you today, the recommendation and wisdom of Charlie Dyer as well. Choose Jesus. Choose salvation while it is available to you because the day is coming where it will be too late. And I don't want you to miss this great opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do it today. I want to give you a number to dial even as we go off the air. It's 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. There you can ask your questions about Christ, about Christianity, about the gospel, and most importantly, you can have someone walk you through on a personal level how you can give your life to Christ today. Charlie, you're a gift to the body. I hope you know how much you're appreciated and how grateful we are for you, brother. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. The name of the book is What Does the Bible Say About the Future? 30 Questions on Bible Prophecy, Israel, and the End Times. I know it can feel like a daunting topic, but what Charlie does in his Q&A catechism style, if you will, is make it approachable. It's easy for us to read through these questions to get solid answers on end-time prophecy. And so if you've not done so by now, Go to our website and get your copy today, equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, from earthquakes to the rise of sin in our culture, many are asking, are we in the end times? Author and professor Charlie Dyer joins me to discuss current and future events in light of biblical prophecy. Don't miss this practical look at end time prophecy on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.